grateful for the opportunity that we have to, to be the church. You, you know, if you're here in the building, you are not at church. You are the church. If you're at home, you are the church. Never, never forget that. You know, at the beginning of the year, we talked, and I just want to remind you of a couple things. We talked about monitoring our lives during lockdown, but that that's not just something we do during lockdown. That that is something that the church is and uh, does at all times, and that is to monitor your relationships you know, Jesus said, I'm going to build a gathering. So somewhere there's got to be gathering uh, in order for the church to be the church. Uh, and then to filter and monitor what's coming into your life because, man, there's so much of stuff out there. And even tonight, to just filter what's coming into your life, is that true? And, and weigh it out by, the, by his word. Uh, Jesus said in John 17, he's like, your word is truth. And I'd encourage you to weigh those things out, what's coming in, and then to weigh what's coming out of your life. Uh, what you say, uh, how you act, those things are revealing what's going on in your heart. It's not always good. I find that in my own life uh, many a time and to realize and just to monitor uh, what's, what's, what's coming out. Uh, and then, you know, uh, we, we've been in a series called Here I Stand. And uh, we started way back just with a couple um, uh, portions of it, just talking about taking a stand in someone else's shoes uh, seeing what it's like to, to walk out uh, life from their perspective before we get too, too angry at one another. And then we talked about, you know, taking a stand and being good and angry. That you would, you know, if you're angry about something, let that motivate you to do good. And, I, and, I, and I, my prayer is that that tonight would be the same one for us as well. And then finally we talked about here I stand, that we would light the wick, that we would be on the stand, that our good deeds would shine and give us the opportunity to share good news with people about our good God. That our good deeds would give us the opportunity to share good news about our good God. And I hope, hope that's the case um, tonight or today, wherever you, whatever you may be watching as well. So I, may I, I wrestle with a lot of things lately. I feel like I have to start every message with this like internal turmoil. But again this week, you know, I was telling Gary uh, beforehand that I'm like, and hey, I got to try and... You know, I've been writing notes about this uh, for the past week and a bit. And then uh, thinking, you know, oh, no, I, I, I don't want to talk about that. Like, find something else. Find something else. I, even today, right up till 3 o'clock today, I'm like, is there something else that I can find? And, and I just can't get away from the wrestle that's on the inside. And, and so I'm going to share a little uh, bit about that with you uh, today. And so I just want to start with this. I don't know if you're aware, but this week, there's a man named Pastor James Coates. He is from the church called Grace Life Church in Edmonton or near Edmonton, Alberta. He was arrested uh, this week and is currently imprisoned simply for, um, for, for being the church, for gathering as a church during a time of lockdown. Not in defiance of the government, but just simply in obedience to Christ. He, uh, he and his, uh, gathered with his, uh, with his congregation. So when they say in the media they want to talk about how they arrested him to make it sound like you know, they had to go in and take this guy down. They actually said, you know, uh, last week, last Sunday, they said, hey, you know, um, you gathered again. We're asking you to voluntarily turn yourself in. And because he has such a good relationship with the RCMP, uh, they've been interacting over this whole um, uh, 2021 regarding this. Uh, he went and voluntarily went in and they, um, they actually said, and so as listening to his lawyer, they said that he was given the opportunity to, to make bail, to be able to leave. But he said the, the, that the prosecutor actually wanted to keep him imprisoned until his court date, and, uh, which is unheard of. 
uh, because he really, the, the crime that he's not committed, it, does, it doesn't have jail time uh, for it. It's not a federal offense. But he was um, held uh, in there, and they said, well, no, we, we want to let him out. You know, he should be able to go free. And so they said, yeah, we'll let you go free with one condition. You may not pass your church anymore. You may not gather as a church. And he's like, I can't do that. Like, the, the, I, that would be a, a disobedience for him to the Lord. And so he is currently being held in a remand center uh, outside of Edmonton, and has uh, been there now for four days. And so, uh, and we think, man, can, can somebody get a, be arrested just for, for preaching the gospel? He's not a criminal. He's not a bad man. Can he, can he be arrested? And, and in Canada, well, you know, we thought, that can never happen here. Well, welcome to Canada. It just happened here. It just happened here. And if, you know, if you want, you can go online and find his most recent message. I'd encourage you to listen to it, where he just talks about, um, this idea of following the Lord, uh, obeying, obeying God uh, with, with everything. Um, and, uh, you know, there, I, I, don't, I wouldn't usually do this, but I've put a petition there. And if you want to click down in the link below, so I'll just point, because, I mean, lots of people do that, and they point. I'm just hoping it's there. Uh, there's going to be a, a petition link you can sign there. I think 8,800 people have already signed it. They're signing it as we, as we speak. But I would encourage you to sign that for, for his freedom. But if you feel like, hey, i got to look, research it more yourself, but I'd encourage you to watch his last message. But this happened Tuesday of this week. And as I was listening to his, his story and listening to some of the messages, man, I'm like, this, something stirred up in me about this topic of freedom. And just couldn't, like all week, been wrestling with the thoughts of freedom. And, and uh, like I said, I wanted to talk about something else, but I can't, can't get away from that. And, and I began thinking about the movies that move me. Do you guys have any movies that move you? They're like, man, they just, they grip you and they, they, they stay there. There's a movie called The Amistad, and I can't recommend that all these movies are okay to watch. I'm just saying they're movies that move me. The Amistad, where a, a, a ship full of uh, slaves who had escaped um, just uh, then find themselves in a, in, a, in a court case where they're trying to figure out whether they're allowed to be, you know, set free or given their freedom. And Jaimon Hansu, there's a scene in there where he just, he says to the, you know, he can't speak English, barely any English, but he learned a few words and he's just like, give us free. Give us free. Just give us free. You know, I think about the famous movies like Braveheart. You know, he stands on that field and he says to them, hey, yeah, run, run and hide and you'll live. And if you fight, yeah, you may die. But how many of you would go back to that day? You know, when years from now, when you're dying in your bed, how many of you would go back to this day to say, no, I'm going to take a stand for freedom. I would rather trade all those days for the chance to live as a free person. You know, I think about Shawshank Redemption. Definitely can't recommend that one. But these guys, maybe for The Great Escape, for those of you who are old enough to remember that movie, of people busting out of jail. Maybe Prison Break. I, I've never watched it, but I assume that it would be about breaking out of prison. But, you know, those things, well, that, that, why, why, do we, why are we so inspired by people who are attempting to, to achieve and attain freedom? I don't know. What is it about freedom that's so compelling? Does anybody else share that, or is it just me? Do any of you find freedom compelling? that we find it wrong when people are not allowed to be free. And I thought about that. I'm like, why, why do slaves even try and escape? You know, why do they risk what they risk? I remember studying, you know, all of those who had tried to escape from Alcatraz and realizing, man, the lengths they would go to to escape from Alcatraz, it was like basically suicide, but they were rather like, I will do that rather than remain here. Why, why do addicts attend groups all over the place, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, why do they attend these groups looking for 
freedom from their addiction. Well, why do prisoners try to break free? Why do slaves try to escape? Why do my cows try and escape? It even affects animals. You know, the doors open a little bit and there they go. You know, why do refugees seek freedom from tyrannical leaders in tyrannical countries? We have a brother Sepan here. Man, when you hear his story of what he's done to escape, just for the hope that there might be freedom. Why did people, our ancestors, leave their nation seeking religious freedom and came to this country in the hopes that they would find it? Why are people willing to take such incredible risks for this thing called freedom? Why is James Coates in a prison cell today (laughs) simply because of this thing called freedom? And I wondered about that. I asked, like, why? Well, what is it? And why is it in my heart that it's like, I just can't get away from that? Uh, It's something that I think is hardwired in us. It's like we were created with freedom to be a part of our existence. And so when I think about that today, I think about the fact that we were created to be free and we were created to live free. And I think if you look at yourself, honestly, you would say, yeah, man, even as a parent, you know, as your kids, like teenagers, a parent of teenagers, you know, that they have that strong desire for freedom, even from their own, even from their own home. We, we want freedom. You know, Genesis chapter 2 Verse 16, God, it, it speaks of how God created man. And whether you believe in the Bible or not, you can, it's, it, it makes sense when you think about yourself and realize, you to, I, where did that hardwired freedom come from? Well, Genesis tells us that God created man and woman, put them in the garden, and he said to man, hey, you're free to tend the garden, and you're free. It says Genesis 2.16, you are free to eat from any tree in this garden except one. You're free to go and, and do this and, and was created to live free. You know, I think of the documents of our North American countries that are written with this in mind, and they're old, but they are no less pertinent just because they're old. Maybe you're familiar with the Declaration of Independence. You could probably quote this. We hold these truths to be what? Self-evident. It's like you don't have to tell somebody this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We know that they are true just inside. What does he say? That, that all men, Thomas Jefferson penned these, that, that all men are created Created, created equal. You're right that all men are, but created equal. You know, that they are endowed by their creator. You, you hear these words of like this affirmation that there's a creator that has, that has given us this. We didn't, we didn't evolve into this. You know, when you think about evolution, you evolve into, there's no reason why people who have evolved deserve freedom. But if you've been created to be free, by a creator who gave you that right, it matters. And these were these documents are written under and said, you've been created by the creator with certain unalienable rights. And unalienable simply means that you can't take those away. They're not meant to be removed. That among those rights are these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He says, we, we believe that those are inalienable rights. Those are creative. We believe that's self-evident that I'd ask any of you here, how many of you are okay if we just take away your life and we take away your liberty, your freedom, and we take away your pursuit of happiness? Are you okay with that? No. No, Why are we not okay with that? See, that that would point to that creator's imprint on our lives. We're created in in his image. I think about Canada and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and I just, I want to touch on this just a little bit tonight simply because of what James is going through. Do you know the Charter of Rights and Freedoms? Man, this is something you, (laughs) you need to get to know this document. 
Canadians, you need to get to know and understand this document. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada starts by saying this, whereas Canada is founded upon the principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. The rest of this document, all of that writing, it's founded on the, on the premise that we've been created by, a, by, by God. That this is not, we didn't evolve into this and thought, hey, this is, this is good for humankind and humanity. No, this is because these principles are something designed by God and, and the rule of law. And then it goes on to mention a number of things and just a couple of key points that tie in with tonight. And I think about James Coates and where he sits. Did you realize that the Charter of Freedom say that every person has the freedom of religion? The freedom of opinion and expression, free speech. The freedom of peaceful assembly, which you are doing here today. And the freedom of association, choosing who you're going to be associated with. In point six, it says there's a freedom to travel in and out of Canada. And that the, the, there is a freedom to gain a livelihood or to work in any province. Point seven is this, the freedom is that it includes the right to life, to liberty, and the security of person. <laughs> the freedom... That that's, that's a right that's protected in the charter. The security of person, what does that mean? That nobody can do to your person, your body, anything without your consent. That is a freedom that you have in this country. Verse 8, the right to be secure against unreasonable search or seizure. And point 9 says the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned. We live in a time when those rights and freedoms are actually being infringed upon, and I would say <laughs> removed. You know, when I look at our country, we've been in a in, in, we've been in a stage for a year now. We've been in a stage for a year where some are voluntarily giving up all of those rights and freedoms, thinking it's for their own good. Do you realize that? Do you recognize these freedoms are just being handed away? I just asked you before, how many of you are willing to say, I'm ready to give up my life. I'm giving up my freedom for, you know, for, for freedom or, or the right to personhood. I'm, I'm good to give those up. Y'all said no, and yet we're, our country is doing it. And why? Why? Why are we doing that right now? And I would say it's for this reason. It's for the so-called pandemic. And I say so-called simply because the word pandemic has been changed in its definition. But can you just think with me for a second, just real quick, why are we doing this? Why are people giving up these kind of freedoms can I tell you why? They're giving it up because of these numbers right here. And I know people are like, uh, they claim we want science and we're all about the science. Can I just tell you, our country is no longer about the science. They really are not if they will deny these facts and say, we'll, we'll throw that out because we, we want to believe the science, which we find in some article somewhere. Freedom is at stake. Here's why. Cases in Ontario in one year. One year in a pandemic, 292,000 people have been diagnosed with or had a positive um, COVID case test. 292,000. Do you know out of 14 million, that's 2%. 2% of the people in Ontario, and it actually is the same numbers for Canada. You can go look it up. It's right on the StatsCan websites, on the, on, the, on the websites of Ontario. 2% of Ontarians have been tested positive for COVID. And we know that number is probably a little bit higher, but it doesn't really matter the cases because Here's the numbers of how many have died. 7,000 out of almost 14 million Ontario people that live in Ontario. And these numbers are very close for Canada as well. Do you know what 7 million or 7,000 deaths, and I know those deaths are, they matter. I get that. But 7,000 deaths out of 14 million people. Do you know what that percentage is? Here's the percentage. 0.1%. 
0.05%. That's not like one, that's not like half a percent. That's one twentieth of one percent of all the people who live in Ontario. And in Canada, it's one sixteenth of one percent in a pandemic. And we're giving up freedom. And people are being jailed for standing for freedom in a time like this. You know, the truth is that most of that 116th or 120th, that 1%, were elderly people, people with comorbidities. We know all that. And yet, somehow, we're willing to give up, voluntarily give up freedom. And James Coates said, you know what? We can't. We can't. See, the Charter of Rights says this. You have a, a right to challenge. Those freedoms are, are, are to be held in place unless there are reasonable limits or demonstrable cause for them to be removed. Do you think that in one year, those numbers would, would recommend that that's demonstrable cause or that's reasonable limit? I just ask you to ask yourself. I, I'm not going to tell you what to think. I just want you to think. See, we live in a country that's still founded on those principles. Do you realize that men and women gave their lives to fight so that we could have freedom and remain free? And why do we care about this freedom? Some are angry that people are speaking up and standing for the rights and freedoms. Some of you are angry at me for saying it tonight. <laughs> I know it. I, I just, I know that. I know that there's people that said to James and they posted it, we hate that man and wish he was dead. And he said, you know what? It's you that I'm, it's your freedom that I'm speaking up for. The freedom to, to, to no longer have the freedom to, to have a job, to work, to run your small business. That freedom has been removed. He said, I, I'm standing for you. So my question isn't about all of that as much as it, why do we care? Do you care? Because I sure do. But why do I care? Why do I care so much that freedoms are being removed? And you know what I say? As I look at it, this, I, I say it all comes back to his word. The truth is that the God who made us in his image, he gave men dominion over the planet. He said, hey, you, here, here's, here's the freedom. You're created to be free, to live free. You're free to tend the garden. You're free to have that job. You're free to eat from the trees, except for one. And that's where it all went wrong. You know, he says, you're not free to choose good and evil for yourself. He, he, he said, you know, mankind, you do not have the ability to say this is good and this is evil. You don't know everything. You're not all knowing. You will make, you will mess that up. Man, don't we see that today? Where people calling evil good, calling good evil. Men, when they have that, when they have that power in their own hands, man, they, they mess that up. God knew what he was doing from the beginning and yet allowed mankind to have that freedom to choose. The freedom to say, I'm going to choose this even if, even if. You know, a man did choose. Why did they choose it? They were like, man, I want to be my own master. I want to be in control of my own life. I want to do this for me. I want to be the self-serving. I want my own false sense of freedom. And as a result, they instantly lost freedom. They instantly lost the rights. And they were in jeopardy as a result. We see it affect the rest of the world immediately. You know, as we see a brother kill his own brother in the story of Cain and Abel out of jealousy, and Abel's rights to live, his rights to freedom, his right to continue being a farmer, all removed. All removed. You know, and I think that freedom may have been lost as a result of that moment, but the memory, it's hardwired in us. And I just want to let that settle with you tonight. Have you thought about that? Is there something in you that longs for freedom, and you're not sure why that is? You know, when Jesus arrived on the planet, I, I just love this thought. He came with the message of freedom. Can you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4? I'll give you a chance to go there because I want you to see this. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. 
Jesus had been uh, going around and doing miracles in different places, teaching in different places. And Luke, Luke was not an eyewitness, but he talked to the eyewitnesses and said, tell me the truth. I want to write down what's true. And here's what he writes from the eyewitness accounts, verse 16 of chapter 4. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, which was his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. Verse 17, the scroll of Isaiah that Simon mentioned earlier. The prophet was handed to him. So he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that captives will be set free. He says that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. If you read in different things, it talks about that there's liberty for those who are captive, captive to sin or just captive. And he says, and then also that there's freedom for those who are broken. He says, verse 19, and at that time, he says, the time of the Lord's favor has come. Verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant. He sat down and all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Why did you read that, Jesus? And he says, he began to speak to them and said, the scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. He came to tell them, listen, I came to bring freedom. You've got that longing for freedom on the inside that was lost in the garden, that longing for freedom. I came to bring freedom. And you know, the people of Israel, I think, were so much like me because the, they, they, what they wanted was political freedom. They wanted freedom for Israel. They wanted freedom for their country. But Jesus came for something deeper than that. And before you assume you know where I was going with tonight, yes, the freedom of Canadians matters, but it's deeper than that. Jesus came for something much deeper. You know, he talked about the, the and we, if you're reading through uh, Mark with us, you would have read this week about how these people brought their friend to Jesus because he, he was a cripple and they brought his mat to Jesus and, and they couldn't get into the house, so they lower him through the roof and, and uh, Jesus says to him as he gets down to the thing, he's like, your sins are forgiven. And I can just picture the guy. He's like, that's not why I came here. That's how my friends dropped me through here. I, I don't want freedom from my sins. I want freedom from the mat. I, I want freedom to be able to walk around. I just want to be healed. That's not really why I came here. You know, and Jesus used that moment to say, listen, what you really need is the freedom from sins. And the rest is a bonus. And then set him free and he was able to walk you know, we, we, we cannot forget that Jesus' message was the good news, that the freedom of the good news was of primary importance and the rest was secondary. So what about political freedom? What about, does that play out in our lives at all? As Jesus followers, are we just supposed to say, ah, you know what, whatever, it doesn't matter what happens with our, with our country, that doesn't matter. Peter and Paul both talk to us about that. Peter writes about it in his letter called 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. I'll give you a second to find it. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Peter writes this letter to the Jesus followers. He says this, in this a little ways into his letter. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. I'm writing to you. You know, you think you live on this planet, but this isn't, this isn't your home. Just realize that no matter what your origin of your country, that that's not your, it's not your home. He says, what I'm writing to you is I'm saying, dear friends, Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The reminder of what's most important. Verse 12, be careful, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. He says, because they're watching. He says, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they're going to see your 
honorable behavior. And you know what? They're going to give God honor when he judges the world. He's like saying, listen, you live in a time where things are, are, are difficult, but just realize it's, it's not all about here. And to the Canadian Jesus followers here and watching online, it's not all about, about here. Verse 13, he says, for the Lord's sake, he says, submit to all human authority. And here they begin to talk about government. Submit to them, whether it's the king as the head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. He's like this, he's like honor. And Paul would say, hey, the government's been set up as a God-ordained thing. So honor them because they, they have the power to punish you for doing wrong. And they're there to honor those who do right. And he says in verse 15, it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. When they're all pointing fingers at you as if you're doing something terrible, he says in verse 16, he just says to them simply this. Hey, let, let me remind you, you are free. You are free. No, wait a second, Peter. We're still under Roman oppression. He's like, I know, but you need to know that you are free. You need to know that that longing for freedom on the inside, you already are free. But remember this, you're God's slaves. You're not just free to be your own master because when we want to be our own master, man, we get it wrong. He says, you're free, yet you're God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and respect the king. And I think about this, and as I think about, you know, James and uh, James Coates being, being in prison for standing up against the government, we wonder, you know, God, they tell us God was the one who instituted government. When he realized, man, men has messed this up, and now they're taking rights away from each other. He's like, we've got to set something up that's going to help protect these people from themselves. Set, setting up government to say, I'm going to protect the rights of people. Protecting the right to life, protecting the right to work, protecting, you know, the, the, uh, the right to the, to the person. He put the Ten Commandments in place. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll see that it's, it's how we treat one another. It was to protect the rights of people. That's why the government was set in place, to protect the rights. That's what they're for. And it's why Peter and Paul, uh, they tell the Jesus followers, respect and submit or yield to those authorities. But I say all that to say this. What happens when the authorities that God put in place no longer fulfill their God-ordained function? What happens when the government that God has put in place no longer fulfills its God-ordained function? What happens when it leaves its, its spot where it's supposed to be? Because it was meant to protect your rights. And what happens is when they go outside of that and try and get into all of these other things and protect other things and actually remove rights from you, they have stepped outside of where God has put them to be. So what is our response to them? And can I simply say this? Peter and Paul's response was that you are free to do good. You are free to do good. What does it mean for us to stand for our freedom? <laughs> As Canadians, you're only free to do good. But there's lots of examples in, in Scripture, you know, where people are like saying, oh, Romans 13, you just have to obey the government. Whatever they say goes. Jesus followers, that is naive. Because when the government says what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong, when they remove freedoms as a result of just uh, the decisions that they, that they make and say, hey, we're going to do this, <laughs> can, can I just simply say there is tons of Scripture that says the opposite. Do you know when Moses was born and the midwives were commanded by their, by their leader, kill every Hebrew baby that's born, every Hebrew male. What does it say about the midwives? It says they feared the Lord and did not do it. 
They feared God more than their government. Daniel, and you're going to hear about him next week, feared God more than what his government says. They, th- they simply said, Daniel, stop praying for 30 days. It's just 30 days. It's just two weeks to flatten the curve. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego commanded to worship something they were not to worship. What did they do? said, no, sorry, we'll stand here when everyone else bows, even if it costs us our life, but we will stand because we serve him and him alone. You know, I was reading this week about Jesus, how he healed a man on the Sabbath while his enemies watched closely to say, it's against the law, Jesus, to heal on the Sabbath. What did he do? He broke the law to do good. And he said it's even there. Is it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? I say, you know, the, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said to him, hey, you know what? Jesus, you better run. Herod's trying to catch you. Herod's the king. He's trying to kill you. And Jesus says, you go tell that fox, Herod, right where I am. And here's what I'll keep on doing. I will keep on with the mission of Christ. I'm like, Jesus said that? You know, the apostles were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus by their authorities. And they said, sorry, when we have to choose between God and man, we choose God every time. You know, obeying government is not usually a choice between God and man. It's usually what they say is is usually in line for our good. And you can do both. But when they oppose each other, we have to make a decision of what it's going to be. In Revelation, it talks about the thousands, the thousands who lost their lives because they wouldn't take the mark of the beast. The thousands who said, we will not give allegiance to anyone other than him. I said, we will stand for that freedom. You know, the early church fathers stood for freedom in Christ. And I just finished reading a book called God Smuggler. If you haven't read it, it's a great one to read. It's a story of Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew, he would bring Bibles into countries where they said that it's against the law to have this book. It is against the law to read this book. It's against the law to bring this, this literature, this hate literature into this country. And I watch how he just, you know, lived as in obedience to Christ. He would drive his little blue car full of Bibles to the, um, to the border. And as he would cross the border, his prayer was, God, I know that you, when you were on the planet, you made blind eyes see. But Jesus, I pray today that you would make seeing eyes blind. It says the guards would look into his little car and see it loaded up and not even see that they were Bibles. And he drove in taking hundreds of thousands of Bibles to all kinds of believers who, you know, their government said, you may not follow this man. You know, I think about the fact that He's authorized to do good, to fulfill the mission of Jesus. I I want to leave you with a few thoughts. Paul wrote about freedom to the Galatian believers. He wrote these things. He said, you're free. You're free. But here's what you're free from. You're free from the power of sin in your life. You are free from the penalty of sin in your life. He wrote to Galatians 5 verse 1. And so he says this, and it's the the, the reason why we've put it in this this series is this. Stand. (laughs) Stand fast, therefore, in the freedom by which Christ has made you free. That's the freedom that you have. You've been made free. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He says, don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage. And then secondly, he says, you are free to follow the law of Christ. Galatians 5.13 says, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use that freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use it just for your own good. He says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Freedom to serve one another as he loves us, free to, to honor the law of Christ, which is love one another, regardless of whether you're politically free or not. And that's my wrestle. That's where it comes into that spot where I'm like, oh, it's about the Canadian freedom. It's not. Yes, it's part of it, but it's more than that. It's more than that. Because as you live for the freedom that you have in Christ to do good, that actually may, that may remove your freedom 
That's what happened to James Coates. By standing up for what's right, for standing for righteousness, for standing for freedom, he lost his freedom and is sitting in a literal prison cell right now. Paul, the writer of these things, wrote some of these from prison. By saying, I'm going to stand for what's right, he ended up imprisoned. Are you ready for that? Because welcome to Canada where that now happens. Are you ready for that? You know, the truth is, we have to ask ourselves, who will we obey? Because Paul said, you know what? You're no longer a slave, a slave to sin, but you, you're not free to, to serve yourself. You're not your master. He says, we become slaves of him. And that slave, it just simply is a bondservant. That's something he gratefully chose to become his servant. And so I want to close with this. We want freedom. We crave freedom. It's hardwired in us. It's not wrong that you crave freedom. Should, should Jesus following Canadians stand for freedom in Canada? I would say yes, but that freedom's not guaranteed. You know, we've had it good for so long, but that doesn't mean that this freedom will remain. You know, <laughs> the prayer in the song, God, keep our land glorious and free. And we stand on guard for thee. We sing it, but will we do it? You know, and I just want to say this. We're able to still stand for freedom in this country, and I would encourage you to do so as long as you do it through being good. But the second thing is this. There's more at stake than our political freedom, and there's more at stake than the freedom of our fellow Canadians. It's the mission of Christ, the good news, that we need to stand for that freedom more. And maybe you sense, maybe you're here, maybe you sense that when you're watching online that you, you have this longing for freedom on the inside. I mean, you hear this news about our country and you hear the news about sin and, you know, mankind and this, this, this thing on the inside. Maybe for you, you sense that freedom. Can I tell you that we have good news for you tonight? But the problem is good news doesn't start with good news. It starts with bad news. The bad news is this. You and I and every person in this room, we are affected by that sin I mentioned earlier where Adam said, I'm going to choose, use my free choice to, to, to take from that tree and bring sin on all of humanity. And we were, you and I were born into that. And not just born into it, but willingly we've chosen sin every time we've had the chance. And we're not born with a love for God. We're actually born with a repulsion for him because he wants to be our master and we want to be our master. And those two things don't work. You know, we find ourselves enslaved to a thing called sin. We thought it was going to be fun. And then, man, now I can't quit. You know, I thought smoking with my buddies at school was going to be fine. Now I can't quit. I thought drinking was going to be whatever, but now I can't quit. I thought watching that stuff on the internet was going to be fine, and now I can't quit. My relationships are in trouble. Everything's a mess. I don't know what to do. You know, we might blame everything on the outside of us. We try, but I think if we're honest and we look, we realize it's inside of us. The brokenness is right here. You know, Romans 3 tells us that all of us have sinned. We're all in the same boat, and that boat's sinking. You know, he says the wages of sin is death. I think that's what our whole world is so terrified of, the fear of death. But you know what? We deserve it. We deserve far worse. We deserve far worse. You know, we talked with my men's group. It's the wages. It's what, it's what we earn. You know when you go to your job and you earn something? That, that's what we earn for, 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 for our sin. You know, Paul further explains in the fact that we want justice when it's for somebody else. If somebody wrongs you, we want justice, but we don't think about the fact that, that justice doesn't discriminate, that, that our sin, my sin, your sin, it deserves judgment. 
You know, the Bible simply tells us that we are storing up wrath for ourselves in the day of judgment. What does that mean? It's like every, every sin, it's, it's storing up for this day down the road when there's going to be a payday. And that the wrath of God will be poured out against that sin. Man, I'm not, I'm not really excited about that. You know, I think none of us are. I think people try and find all kinds of ways to avoid that. You know, I'll try to be good. I'll try to do good. I'll, I'll go to church. You know, I'll try to feel good. I'll do something. I'll, I'll compare myself to others because then I feel better. Or I'll justify, hey, we're all human. Or, or I'll avoid it. Or I'll blame someone else. But none of it works. I don't know if you realize that. There is no way out of that mess. Except for one. And that's the good news. That there is only one way to be set free from punishment. It's, it's him. It's the way. Jesus Christ. He's, you know, the truth is that God so loves this broken world. So loves you and so loves me. So loves lost people that he sent his son into the world to proclaim freedom from the guilt, freedom from the shame, that freedom's available. Not political freedom, but something way, way more important. And you know, that freedom wasn't free. Just like it wasn't free for our country, it wasn't free for this, that Jesus would actually have to pay my debt and your debt. And we sang about it earlier with that song, Man of Sorrows, that he did hang on that cross just for us, that he bore the full weight of the sin of the whole world is what John would write. And it was for freedom, he said, that Christ has set us free is what Paul wrote to the Galatians. And he wrote to the Ephesians and said, it's a gift of God. It's not a works. You can't earn this thing. You can only receive it. You can only receive it. How? Paul wrote to the Romans and said this, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved if you'll confess him as your master and not you anymore, and if you believe in your heart that God truly raised him from the dead, proving that he is who he said he is, you'll be saved. You'll be free. So Jesus' followers, tonight we've been called to take a stand for freedom. To stand for freedom. To stand in the freedom that we have in Christ and to stand for freedom for others. Are you willing to pay the price of what it's required? stand for freedom? Because I think we're going to have to answer that question a lot sooner than we had ever planned. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the freedom that we have in you. God, I'm grateful that we still have the freedom to do this here in this building right now, here online with whoever may be watching. Thank you for the freedom that we have. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, that wherever we find ourselves on this whole spectrum of this topic, that you know where we're at. And you know that above all, we need your voice. God, I need your voice. I pray you'd speak to me. I pray you'd speak to my brothers and sisters. God, above all, I pray that people who don't know you would hear your voice speaking to them, drawing them to that freedom in you. God, I pray for our country and I pray for our leaders. Continue to lift them up before you. That they would come to know you. They would come to know you. To know truth himself. To know wisdom himself. God, I pray that you'd help us to shine bright when anger wants to take over. That we would use it for good. That you give us opportunities to shine your light to our world around us. The ones who have no hope, may they see it in, may they find hope in you through us. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Love you in return and ask this in your name. Amen.
Amen. Well, we have a few uh, questions we want to give you a chance to chat about, whether that's right now or later on, or just to even think about the process. And maybe you have some for me. I'll take them. You know, shoot me an email. Um, I'm wrestling through this myself, but maybe I have a couple thoughts. What jumped out at you from today's talk? Uh, And do you wrestle internally with this topic of freedom and the loss of freedom? And, and, And why? And then finally, have you experienced freedom in Christ? Have you really experienced that? And, and how would you describe that if you had to share it with someone else? Do you know how? Because that's our hope, is that we'd equip you to be able to share the good news with those around you because we have a world that really needs it. So we're gonna put these uh, up on the screen. We're gonna pause it so you have a chance just to, if you want to, or you're gonna have to pause it, sorry, uh, just so you have a chance to chat about it. Maybe you're gonna call somebody up and chat on the phone. Otherwise, uh, grateful, grateful to be able to have spent this time with you. Just know that from my heart to yours, I, I love you, and I'm grateful to be a part of this family and this community, and we'll see you next week.